Greetings, I'm Jennifer Kennedy, the lead for quality at CHAP, and welcome to this month's CHAPcast. Today, we've got a good one for you. It's a twofer. I'm joined by Katie Weary uh, from NOC and Judy Lundperson from NHPCO, and we're going to talk about uh, the end of the COVID-19 PHE and what that means for both home health and hospice providers. So welcome, Katie and Judy. I think well, let's go ahead and start off uh, with some introductions. Um, so, Katie, could you introduce, introduce sorry, yourself uh, to the listeners and um, tell them a little bit about what you do at uh, NAC? Sure. Thanks, Jennifer. I'm really glad to be here again with all of you. And I am Katie Weary, the Director of Home Health and Hospice Regulatory Affairs at NAC. I work as my title indicates, on the regulatory side, dealing with all the rules and regulations that home health and hospice agencies have to deal with on a daily basis. And my background is in operations and implementation of those regulations. Thanks, Katie. And um, we're going to task you uh, uh, mainly with home health today. But, you know, jump in if you have uh, your hospice as well, you know, in terms of your expertise. So please jump in when if you have any extra things to say. And um, uh, our second of the twofer is uh, Judy. So Judy, why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about what you do at NHPCO. Okay. Uh, thank you, Jennifer. It's so glad to be with you today. Um, I am Judy Lundperson, Vice President for Regulatory and Compliance at NHPCO, and I am um, focused uh, exclusively on uh, hospice and palliative care issues, um, regulatory issues, compliance issues, and um, tracking all of them and making um, suggestions for implementation and kind of translating regulations into plain English. So that's kind of where we where we are at this point and um, look forward to the conversation. Well, thank you both for being here today. You know, having two national representatives is, is huge when we're talking about wrapping up three years. Oh my gosh, three years of uh, a global pandemic and so many uh, changes and workarounds that uh, both home health and hospice providers had to put into place in order to, uh, be in operation every day to see their patients and provide quality of care. So I guess my first thing that um, I would like to touch on is what waivers are going away by the end of the PHE on May 11th um, of 2023. And let's go ahead and um, start with hospice. Sure. Um there are three waivers that are um, will end at the end of the public health emergency. That is that waiver for um, additional time for the hospice comprehensive assessment. Um, it'll go back to every 14 days from 21 days, which we had extra time uh, during the PHE. The second one is the waiver of non-core services, and this would be PTOT speech um, in particular. Um, that waiver for um, not having to provide non-core services will go away at the end of the PHE. And then the third one is uh, both for home health and for hospice, um, the hospice quality assessment and performance improvement um, regulation that is at 41858, um, or we more often, and Jennifer knows this best, um, we more often call it QAPI. Um, and this waiver was to narrow the scope of um, QAPI program, the QAPI program, uh, just to concentrate on infection control, 
and um, adverse events. So that uh, waiver will all also go away at the end of the public health. So emergency. Katie, let's start with the COAPI. Is that similar to home health as well as hospice about having that infection control focus? Yes, it's the exact same on the home health side as it is for hospice, which makes it easy for providers to remember. Things do get um, different and a little harder to follow on some of the other waivers under home health. Um, I, When you ask about what waivers are ending, I kind of look at it as most all of the waivers are actually ending so that providers will not be able to continue to have some of the changes that they did during the pandemic in terms of things like not doing aid supervisory mm -hmm. visits, for instance. So the waiver ends, but there are some transition periods that CMS has allowed for folks to come into compliance, full compliance with the applicable requirement that is associated with um, the waiver. So, for instance, um, as I'm thinking about home health, um, I think about some of the situations where there are, you know, 60 days after the end of the waiver to come into compliance, for instance. And I'm trying to think of what one of those would be. Actually, I'm taking a look here um, right now. One would be... Um, on annual on-site mm -hmm. supervisory visits for um, each aid that's providing services. So again, the waiver ends with the PHE, but those visits that did not get done in these past couple of years do need to be completed, but the home health agency has until July 10th to complete those. So I think there is a distinction between does the waiver end versus am I allowed to continue the waiver or is there a transition period where I have to come into full compliance? Yeah, it sure does. Sense. And, you know, we did see some guidance come out on May 1st from CMS that, you know, ran through the, you know, provider by provider, some of those waivers, are they going to be done on the 11th? Are they going to pull over? So I, I think I hear you saying, Katie, when you're talking about transition, um, some of those, at least in that memo, looked to me like they were going to be, um, in transition rather than a hard stop. Is that fair to say? Right, right. And we're really pleased about that. Um, give agencies an opportunity to get back to where they were pre-pandemic because in some situations, um, organizations have really used those waivers um, and have gotten really used to that over the past three years. And now it's time to transition yeah. back. And there's not that hard stop, which does make things flow a little bit easier from right. the operations side. So um, let's go back to, well, let's do hospice and home health, but we'll start with Judy is when we talk about some of those things that are going to stick around for a little bit longer, like, I don't know, face to face, um, are there, let's talk about some of those things that providers do have uh, a little bit of leeway, uh, as it were, uh, until they refer back to pre-pandemic uh, compliance. So what are those things look like for um, hospice, Judy? Well, and I guess, Katie, I, I was sort of thinking about the 60 days after May 11th or the 90 days after May 11th or the end of the year after May 11th uh, as, you know, things that are kind of in flux. And I think your, your word about transition is a really good one. Um, but Jennifer, let's start with the hospice face-to-face -face encounter. 
Um, and we have been working really hard to make sure that providers know that that is a statutory change. And the hospice face-to-face encounter to be done through telehealth, that would be audio and visual, um, has been extended until the end of 2024. So it's 12-31-2024. And it was um, a part of the package of telehealth um, um, requirements that um, made its way through the Congress last year and um, ended up being part of the omnibus um, uh, budget package um, at the very end of last year. So very, uh, very, very happy to see that in place for another, um, you know, almost uh, more than a year and a half. Do you want to talk a little bit more about the things that are kind of hanging around, but not quite, um, not not quite done yet? Yeah, that let's do that, Katie. Go ahead. Actually, let's hear Judy your thoughts could, on that. Yeah, well, I I was going to um, jump back to that telehealth piece um, for just a minute on the face to face, and um, the same is true for home health. You know, we have until December thirty first, twenty twenty four, now for that. But there was some concern that HIPAA, the Office of Civil Rights, would not actually continue with some of the HIPAA flexibilities that actually allowed um, the face-to-face to occur um, with the patient. So that has been decided. OCR actually released some information that they that under well, until December 31st again, 2024, they're going to match that with their enforcement discretion. So organizations who are using platform like Zoom for healthcare, they have a business associate agreement with um, the company running the platform for privacy and security should be fine. Um, but you do want to make sure that you're taking a look at what platform you are using. Yeah, you know, Katie, I'm glad you brought that up that because um, that HIPAA piece is really key, isn't it? When we're talking about some of the extensions sure that, are, that are in place, you know, and then once uh, we, we get to that point where, um, you know, the HIPAA extension runs out, then we're going to refer back to um, – We'll call it, uh, my husband, who's a disaster guy, is uh, he, he likes to call it in peacetime when we're not in any kind of active emergency um, <laughs> where, you know, you're going to have those HIPAA flexibilities apply event by event and only for the extent that uh, right. CMS allows that event to, to go. So, um, keep, yeah, thank you for bringing that up because uh, I was hoping one of you would talk about the, sure. the HIPAAfication piece here uh, for sure. <laughs> Hippification. <laughs> I like that term. Yeah. Hippification. Yeah, that's, exactly. that's a great term. I love so, that. um, any other thoughts on anything that is being extended? And, uh, also you, you brought up a, a really interesting point about providers. Uh, maybe even they've gotten comfortable or some have even gotten complacent with, um, some of these waivers being in place for such a long period of time. What are your, both your thoughts on that? You know, I, I think providers have gotten um, to the point where maybe some employees who haven't, who were hired during the pandemic, know nothing different than what the pandemic requirements are. So I think that's the place where um, hospices and, you know, Katie, home health agencies, but um, I think we're going to have to be very uh, careful to make sure that we are not um, not sort of sitting back and resting on our laurels, if you will, um, because I think this is um, 
you know, we're going to have to go back to pre-pandemic requirements. Absolutely. And I think where agencies need to maybe refresh themselves on what the requirements are is related to the aids, um, supervision of aids, the 12 hour training, those types of things. And for home health in particular, um, I, I'm a little concerned about agencies, um, forgetting, um, the requirement about the initial and comprehensive assessment and how that works after the pandemic. So we originally had this waiver, um, that allowed for any of the rehab professionals, OT, PT, or speech to perform the initial and comprehensive assessment for all patients who were receiving therapy services as part of the plan of care. And of course, that was dependent upon um, state requirements as well. And then in the 2022 home health final rule, CMS finalized changes to permanently allow the OTs to conduct the initial and comprehensive assessment only in certain circumstances. So, um, therapy will have to be ordered. It would have to be a therapy only case after the pandemic. If nursing is ordered, um, the OTs, um, and other therapists are not going to be able to do those initial and comprehensive assessments. Now, NAC is concerned about that. We actually submitted a letter and requested that CMS um, make some changes there because it just, this is just a requirement that doesn't make a whole lot of sense. Um, therapists are able to conduct initial and comprehensive assessments when therapy only is there. Um, and when nursing then gets involved, what really should happen is looking at the needs of the patient and the most appropriate professional should be conducting the initial and comprehensive assessments. So that's something that NAC is asking CMS to change. But that's one area that I'm a little concerned about for home health agencies. Don't want them to get tripped up on that one in particular. Yeah. And, and I, th- I think there are a couple of things on the hospice side that are extraordinarily exciting. Um, well, maybe exciting in the in the uh, regulatory environment and and not beyond that. But you know, I think we have the um, the question that lots of providers have asked about the uh, hospice waiver uh, for uh, for hospice volunteers, and we do now have a final answer on that. Um, the final answer um, was published in the May first guidance, so um, just hot off the press um, that. CMS waived that requirement for um, the meeting of 5%, um, and they have now said that um, that requirement will not come into play again until the end of the calendar year, so um, December 31, 2023. So translated, um, that is um, something where the hospice will have some time to get volunteers up and back in their program because the calculation, that 5% calculation of staff versus volunteer hours uh, will not need to be done until December 31. I'm sure that, yeah, I'm sure that very helpful, very helpful for that. Yeah. Uh, One thing I read in that memo that came out on uh, Monday, and I'm sure lots of providers are going to be happy that staff no longer will have to be COVID vaccinated. So, I mean, that has just been uh, something that I've heard uh, over the last, you know, year at least about, oh my gosh, do we do this? What the exemption is for this? So um, that's not going to be anything um, that uh, will carry forward. But, uh, you know, Katie, you mentioned, or I think both of you mentioned about the the QAPI focus on infection control. 
that doesn't mean organizations have to completely, you know, oh, all right, we don't have to really focus on infection control anymore. I mean, I think that's become part of the new fabric, if you will, of uh, providing care. And if organizations want to look at um, what kind of um, policies they write for uh requirements, if they want to continue to have um, staff vaccinated, that'll be on their own policy that they can do that as part of their infection control program. But um, I know that probably a lot of providers are going to be happy uh, about that because it was a hard lift um, when we're talking about having all of their staff vaccinated for sure. Right, right. I do think they need to check locally. Some states may be taking a different look at that. We don't know yet, but that's an area that they want to look at locally. Yeah, that's a great point. So, and I I think one other, yeah, and one other thing um, is that we are still waiting for the official, if you will, air quotes, um, guidance from CMS on exactly what the um, the requirement is or or requirement will be lifted uh, for staff vaccinations. Uh, the White House came out with their announcement um, and then um, said, you know, CMS will let Medicare certified providers uh, know what the what the plan is by the end of the public health emergency. Well, right. it's next week. So um, hopefully, we, hopefully we'll have something um, in our plan um, for um, for getting that information out as quickly Absolutely. As there was a bit sure. of a teaser in that paragraph in the memo. <laughs> there was. So yeah, um, let's go ahead and, and when we're finishing up our, our discussion about um, uh, pandemic going away, waivers going away, um, going back to, um, let's, I, I don't like to say pre-pandemic because it's, it's a whole different game now. You know, we had what it was before COVID and whatever it is post COVID, what do you think are, are going to be continuing challenges for uh, home health and hospice providers? So Katie, let's start with you. Well, like I mentioned, um, kind of remembering what we need to comply with and refreshing ourselves on what um, the regulations are, is going to be important and making sure that we don't, um, make assumptions. So we have put together actually a table that lays out the waiver, the current status of the waiver, and then the date that everybody needs to be compliant by. And I think that would be an exercise that's really helpful for organizations to go through or, or find a table from NAC or others who have put tables out and just make sure that you really know um, what waivers are ending, if there's transition periods involved there. And, um, also taking a look at what's happening in your state, because some states over the course of the past couple of years have made some changes permanently to say their licensure requirements or something like that. So you want to make sure that you know what you need to comply with and lay out a timeline, you know, that you don't have to be compliant with the 5% level of activity until say 1231 of this year, but you're going to need to be working up to that. Right. So what is your plan to do that? So lay out your timeline, lay out your plan, <clears throat> and just make sure that you know exactly what you need to be doing when you need to be doing it. <clears throat> Excuse me. Sorry. Yeah, that's a great point. You know, it's almost like project, you know, project management and planning um, to get to your goal. Well, that's good performance improvement as well. Um, how about from the hospice side, Judy? Oh, I'm sorry, Katie, go ahead. 
take a look at emergency preparedness too, because, right. you know, you mentioned that memo that came out and um, there are some requirements there, even for hospices within patient units, which I'm sure Judy will, oh will talk God, a little bit about. Preparedness. That's a whole nother podcast, Katie. <laughs> I know. I know. It, it is a whole nother podcast. Absolutely. And we know you can be the, the greatest leader for that, Jennifer. So um, I, I did want to talk. I agree entirely with um, making sure that hospices are ready for um kind of what pre-pandemic looked like. And I think a lot of providers are paying special attention to those newer employees who might not have ever known what the pre-pandemic right. requirements were. Um, so um, NHPCO has also put out a chart with kind of what the deadlines are for the various components of the hospice uh, waivers. And I, you know, I, I think that will be something everybody should be referring to. I guess the other thing I wanted uh, just for a minute to talk about is um, it, it's a it's a waiver yes but it's also an exciting um, recent announcement from CMS and that is around um, routine home care being able to pro be provided through telehealth and um, we know in the waivers that CMS has said um, that the waiver for um, uh, to allow telehealth for routine home care will expire on May the 11th. Um, however, um, both on a um, podcast on a, uh, a CMS national stakeholder call last week, um, we heard from CMS that here, and I, I want to read it because I think it'll be really helpful to providers. So um, um, CMS said, um, after the end of the uh, COVID-19 public health emergency, the expectation is that routine home care hospice services will be provided in person. Now, here is where the information gets exciting. Um, there is nothing precluding hospices from using technology to have follow-up communication with the patient and the family, as long as the use of such technology does not replace an in-person visit. Additionally, such follow-up contacts should be documented in the hospice medical record, similar to the way telephone calls would be documented and in accordance with the standards of practice and the hospice's own policies and procedures. This does not impact the use of telehealth for face-to-face, -face, which we already have talked about. Um, and then we, we have said NHPCO recommends reviewing and updating your telehealth policies uh, to comply with post-PHE standards. And uh, Katie, to your point, that also will include the uh, Office of Civil, Civil Rights um, requirements for HIPAA compliance as well. So um, really, really glad we finally have some answers around what a hospice can do around telehealth after the public health emergency is over. That got very confusing during For sure. that time, <laughs> I know. unnecessarily. So. No, completely. For such a long time. It's well, I mean, it's been a tough time, but yeah, yeah, anytime we can actually... Right. move forward a little bit. And, um, you know, I think there are a couple of good things that have come out of this pandemic um, that will that will help providers, both home health and hospice, um, be able to care for their patients in, in today's world in a better way. And Katie, it looks like you wanted to um, add a few things. No, I was just going to say, I'm as you're talking about how things have changed, 
with the pandemic, I think that it's a positive that CMS is recognizing telecommunications and especially in home health and in hospice. I was really hoping that um, we would see in the hospice proposed rule that CMS was going to gather some data about telehealth visits. Um, and they didn't do that. Now they're doing that in home health, which I'm, I'm thrilled about. Um, we have those three codes that go on the claim for home health, still not payable. Um, but certainly a good, uh, step and a step in the right direction to have the codes so that CMS can gather some data and learn a little bit more about how telecommunications are used. It's one of the positives, I think, that's come out of everything we've been through the past couple of years. Hopefully that will trickle on down to hospice at some point. I always think about hospice as the uh, caboose Mm -hmm. on the Medicare train. Eventually all things come to it, right? (laughs) Right. Exactly. Well, I want to exactly. thank you both um, for joining the podcast today. And I wanted to ask you, uh, you know, any closing thoughts that you have for our listeners? So, so I think from, um, from NHPCO's perspective, um, certainly uh, paying attention to what the um, requirements were pre-pandemic, uh, paying attention to the couple of things that became uh, permanent, um, uh, transitioning from waivers into permanent um, in the COPs, and also, um, you know, make use of the, the um, educational resources and other um, compliance guides and all of that that NHPCO Thanks, offers. Judy. And I, and I would echo Judy's comments, you know, um, I encourage also organizations to think about, you know, the pandemic as sort of the necessity that fostered some innovation within your organization and to keep that um, spirit flowing and going forward, because I think we have improved in some ways as difficult as it was, it, it did make us stronger. Oh my gosh, in Katie, some ways. You read my mind about the innovation piece, because I think it, it forced uh, organizations to think out of the box, be more nimble and more creative uh, about how they deliver care. So I would hope, I agree with you. I would hope that piece would carry forth down the line. All right. Absolutely. Well, um, I was thinking about um, our, today's discussion, and I found this really great quote. Um, a hero is an ordinary individual who finds the strength to persevere and endure in the spite of overwhelming obstacles. And that was Christopher Reeve, who uh, said that quote. And it really, I think, fits what healthcare providers have been through during this whole pandemic. And yes, all of them who kept going out there, uh, doing visits um, in the most creative ways and providing care, uh, whether it was visit or telehealth or just being there for uh, those people in need are, are all truly heroes. So I felt like that really summed up uh, our, our conversation today. So from the CHAP team and um, myself, I want to thank you for taking time out of your day to plug into our CHAPcast. Um, I certainly learned a lot today from our two national leaders, and I hopefully you did too. So stay safe and well, and thanks for all you do. 